I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? Oh, but maybe if you hung a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everyone. It is all in sports. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving Day before, after, the day of, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully you can listen to this while you're doing some of your traveling or shopping and make yourself just have a better day because it is all in sports and it is one of the greatest podcasts out there. A uh, reminder for everybody, I'm still opening the contest through the end of the month. Free signed mini helmet by Michael Thomas, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Just go to iTunes or wherever you listen. Give the show a review, a rating, subscribe, hopefully five stars. But, you know, you're not excluded if you don't. Uh, maybe. We'll see. In any case, just do that. Send me a screenshot on Twitter at AllInKid. Make sure I respond to you with either a thumbs up or whatever so I know I have your entry. And then I'll be drawing that at the end of the month. Also, as a reminder, if you want to go to The Athletic to see everything that I have and haven't yet and want to hashtag check the link, you go to theathletic.com front slash allinsports and you save 30%. Also, if you want extra shows, YouTube stuff, a discount on the t-shirts, I still have the check the link and the band kickers. Uh, you want the black book for free if you get the highest level, but you want to listen to myself, Joe Pizapia, Chris Meany, extra podcasts, all that stuff, like I said, go over to the patreon.com front slash, again, all in sports, and sign up there. I tweet those out as well. But a big show today, two different guests. Adam Ronis is joining me, Chris Burke, to talk the Lions, to talk about that Lions game for Thanksgiving. So if you're listening to it afterwards, might not mean as much, but we do talk about a lot of the Lions players that you have questions about, including the backfield. So a big day. Let's get into it. Our first guest for today's show is one of the, I'd say, first people I really knew and enjoyed to know in the industry. It's Adam Ronis. We go back a long ways. I actually really still appreciate your email address to this day, by the way. Uh, you can follow the Scout Fantasy Sports on Twitter. Um, you, want, you know what? I'll let you do. I'll let you do all the pimping yourself, Adam. Thanks a lot, Jake. Always good to talk to you. And yes, we go way back. So I've known you for quite a long time now. But you can find me at scoutfantasysports.com. We cover NFL, NBA, MLB, DFS. And you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis. can also catch me on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. Regularly on Monday nights, Lisa Ann does fantasy with Lisa Ann at 10 p.m. Eastern. And then sporadically throughout the week, you know, it really is flexible and it changes, but uh, definitely can catch me there at times. But always good talking to you, Jake. Yeah, like when the other people are slacking and you're always willing to step in, basically, is what you're telling me. Exactly. When people <laughs> need off and they need to fill in a spot, then they call me and I'm always available. Because as you know, Jake, the way to make it in this industry is to always be available. There's no taking holidays off. There's no, I can't do this. And that's one of the reasons you have risen up the business in addition to being talented and knowing what you're talking about. But people ask us all the time, you have to be available. There's no way to say no. Now, when you get to a certain level, and Jake, you're probably there. You're probably like, no, nah, I can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> but, but no, we, we love doing this. We're all fortunate that our, the people that have the ability to make a living off fantasy sports, we realize that we're in a blessed spot. And we are right at Thanksgiving, so I'm thankful for the career that I have. Yeah, and for everybody out there that doesn't know, possibly, for you, and one of the things I first noticed off the jump off was the amount of radio, the amount of travel into the city and the time it takes you and all that stuff that you were doing for free years on. And like People know the same thing. I was writing for free, but you were traveling for free. You were on the air. People want to talk about being on the air. On the air for free and doing this for years on end to just – to be in the business, to know that your shot was going to come at some point. Yeah. And, you know, I look back on it and I said it was worth it in the end because when you get an opportunity to kick in a door, you have to slam it down and run through it and show what you can do. So 
the first two years when I was doing Sirius XM, and we were on, I think the first couple of years, seven to 11 a.m. Eastern. So it was four hours. So I was waking up 435, taking a bus and two subways into New York City. And then after that, I would have to go to Long Island because I worked at Newsday at the time and cover high school sports. So <laughs> there was no sleep. I'm surprised my girlfriend stayed with me at the time. But, you know, it's a labor of love, you know, you, and you have, to, you have to sacrifice things if you want to make it somewhere. And it's all about just getting the opportunity to prove yourself. And I know for some people, they never get that. But if you're willing to put in a lot of hard work and, you know, some people don't have the ability, they have families to support. Thankfully, I had no kids and no one else to support. So I was able to do it. But as you yeah, people don't know that, that the Beastie Boys No Sleep song was actually about you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, for <laughs> real, like there's no, you know, this too, man. I mean, you didn't have to do the travel, but you did work a lot, did a lot of shows and a lot of writing and the rankings and are well documented of how well you've done on fantasy pros. So it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of work to be done though. But again, we could be doing so many things that are worse. When you hear people <laughs> yes. complain about their job, sitting in an office and everything, like I'm thankful that I get to do this. And I just hope it continues for a long time. No, I, I'm 100% with you on that. So, all right, let's do, let's talk about the things that we do for our job. Let's talk about fantasy for this week. And the biggest news, obviously, is the O.J. Howard, well, at least for this week, O.J. Howard to the IR. You have Cameron Brait stepping in. I put out a tweet. I want to get your opinion, Adam, because this is an interesting look ahead. And in, uh, obviously, week 12, there's not a lot of people in the waiver wire that you can go after in these ways. But I said there's basically five tight ends that I want over Bray, and that's it. And it was Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle. I said Trey Burton. I could see not wanting Trey Burton. And Greg Olson, now that Greg Olson looks like he's at least back to 90%. I kind of put Burton in like, okay, that's fine. Obviously, I don't want him this week with Chase Daniels starting. But kind of in that Njoku, Doyle, like if you really want one of those over Bray, I'm fine with it. I'm chasing Bray because I'm chasing Bray for the upside, I remember two years ago, I remember that he was a top five tight end. Could he have those games that we saw the end of last year where O.J. Howard was out? He basically did nothing. Absolutely. But I know the other guys. I know the other guys are up and down. I'll chase Bright for that potential. Are you looking at it the same way or you would rather have like the safety of a Doyle? I think I would rather have Doyle uh, in, in PPR formats because we know Andrew Luck loves throwing to the tight ends. I know Doyle owners were frustrated two weeks ago when Ebron had the three touchdown game and Doyle was pushed out at the one. And then of course the next play, they went to the third tight end Allie Cox for the touchdown, but it's close. I do think Bray has to be up there. Cause here's the thing outside of those tight ends that you listed, you're really looking for a touchdown out of your tight end. Those guys in the six to 16 range, most of them are not getting volume and you're ranking every week based on, okay, who has the best shot out of the touchdown. And Braid has to be up there. When you look at this Tampa Bay offense, they can't run the football. Although I, I got to say, Peyton Barber's actually looked pretty good. The problem is their defense is so bad, they're playing from behind and they're passing so much. I believe they're second in the NFL in pass attempts. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. But as you alluded to, Jameis Winston certainly has an affinity for Cameron Braid. We've seen it in the past. And he's always going to get looks near the goal line with Winston at quarterback. And Winston is going to be putting it up. Let's assume he stays the quarterback. That's another question. I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Fitzpatrick is playing in the second half in week 12 based on the way the Tampa Bay coaching <laughs> right. staff has utilized that quarterback position. But even if Fitzpatrick's there, Brink is still in a good spot. There's a lot of competition in that offense, though. There's a lot of weapons. But again, they're passing a lot. And they'll look at the tight end near the goal line. So – I think I'd put Bray right in that six to eight range. But if you're asking me to choose between him and Doyle, I'll go with Doyle. All right. Braid or Njoku? I want to say Njoku, and I have him in a 14-team league, and it's been really frustrating the last three weeks. I wonder if it's because he's banged up. You know, he's been on the injury report with a knee injury, but we haven't been scared off. We knew he would play. He had the bye week, but I see on the Wednesday report, he's still on there with that knee. So maybe that's a concern. I'd probably go Bray. Uh, Nijoku is so talented, but we've seen some games where he's just not involved enough, and that run game for Cleveland has really come on with Nick Chubb. So I think I would go with Bray. 
All right, that's fair. That's fair. And then the Winston thing, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the hell the Bucks are doing. Which you know, the, that that's a whole other story for another day. But let's talk about your team because they play on Thanksgiving. The Cowboys and the Redskins. Now here, okay, we'll stick with your team for a second. I was going to go to the Redskins, but there's a lot that I digest with them. Were you? on Dak the rest of the way because Dak's always been boosted in fantasy by the rushing upside but the Cooper addition is clearly helping this team as is the offensive line looks to be playing better the threat of Cooper seems to be helping Zeke and getting this team at least more consistent and the defense this year has taken a remarkable improvement over last season where this t- like it honestly would have surprised me if they win the division Adam especially with everything's going on with the Redskins but for fantasy purposes like because now's about the time where you start looking at, hey, let me go grab a backup quarterback so I don't get to week 15, lose my quarterback, and my options are like Josh McDown or Sam Bradford or Sam Darnold, or, I should say. So is Dak at least stashable for his potential in fantasy now? Yeah, he's a quarterback that's in that 12 to 18 range, depending on the matchup. But you hit it. He's got to get a rushing touchdown. This is a team that's just not going to be pass-heavy heavy, no matter what. They want to run the football. They want to slow the game down. They limit the opposition to the less plays. We saw Atlanta, I think, ran only 55 plays last week. So that's the way they want to play. Yes, Amari Cooper has absolutely helped this offense. And I think Ezekiel Elliott said it last week, and I said it at the time too. I said I think the biggest boost would be for Zeke because now the defenses, no matter what you think of Amari Cooper, the defenses have to account for him. He has the ability – to be a big playmaker. We've seen him have a 200-yard game. So the defenses have to account for him. Zeke said it, less attention in the box. They're actually throwing the ball to Zeke more now. I forgot the number offhand, but I looked at the other day. He might have 60, 65 receptions this year. What was the argument before the year when we looked at the top four running backs? Well, Zeke's not going to catch the football. I knew he had the ability to do it. It was a matter of would the coaching staff get him the football, and they have done it big time over the last few games. This defense is legit. I love this defense going into the year. In best ball drafts, I took them as my second defense because no one wanted them. But I wish they had this defense a few years ago because the offense is just not explosive. And you see it in today's NFL. Look at the top teams in the NFL. What's the common denominator? They have big-time offenses that put up points. Dallas can't play with these teams. Now, we'll see. They play the Saints a week after Thanksgiving on a Thursday night. I don't think they win. But Dallas is in position to win the division. To me, if they don't, it's a major disappointment because it's in their hands now. They beat Washington this week. They're in first place. Washington has Colt McCoy at quarterback. I don't think it's a huge downgrade. It's not like Alex Smith was doing anything. But that team's in trouble. Bad offensive line. The defense is falling apart. We've seen the Eagles just basically not show up against the Saints. Now, they do have the Redskins twice. They do play Dallas. So you don't want to bury them. But this isn't Dallas's control. There's one problem. Jason Garrett's the head coach. He could ruin this easily. No, oh, <laughs> there's no question. You know what the funny thing was? I don't know if you saw the tweet, but after they pulled out that that night win, it was the Sunday night or Monday night football game or whatever. I said, what kind of extension does Jason Garrett now uh, get after this game? You know, the same thing was going through my head. I'm I'm sitting there honestly. Like usually, I get emotional and I'm revved up. I have not been that way with Dallas this year because. I don't know if that was a good thing because now it gives Jason Garrett job security. Like we never even think he's going to get fired. If this team goes six and 10, seven and nine, that's how bad it is. And now they could win the division. You know, Jerry Jones is not going to get rid of him. So long term <laughs> this success here for Dallas might be a really bad thing. If it means Garrett continues to coach his football team, because there's talent on this team. Like they should oh, be better. Is. Right. I mean, you, you, you're a, I know you're a Giants fan. But we're both, like, I'm non-biased. I'm not like this cowboy homer saying how great they are because I'm concerned. I, I don't think they have enough to compete with the top teams. I think they can win the division, but what is that going to do? Keep Jackson Garrett here? So that means that we're just pushing ourselves back. <laughs> That's why I, yeah, I'm a realist Giants fan, and I'm so annoyed that we've won two in a row. I even said that, I, 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 like, the Giants are going to go on a run, finish the season 5-11 and 11 or 6-10, and 10 and ruin any potential good draft pick. Well, I said this to Bill Enright yesterday. We were talking, and I go, you know, if the Giants win this week and Dallas wins, the Giants are two games out of first place. I know. <laughs> that, but you're right. The Giants will make this run, and they'll come up short, and they'll ruin the draft pick. 
They, they, they completely will. They, let's be honest. I mean, they, 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 this is the Giants. They can ruin a lot of things. And uh, well, look, like they're wasting away the careers of, like, the peak at least of Barkley and Odell Beckham. But we, uh, we're not talking about that. Let's talk about the Redskins. And on the flip side of the ball, you said it. It's not a huge downgrade because Colt McCoy is similar to Alex Smith, especially if you look at the fact that Alex Smith reversed the story last year. We all know that about throwing downfield, and that was kind of a misnomer to begin with. But at least with Colt McCoy, we know as soon as he gets 20 yards downfield, this guy drops off a cliff. Like, he is one of the worst downfield passers in the league. But Alex Smith had kind of reverted back to being that 15 guy at most this year is the reason why Trey Quinn had a decent game last week. So with Colt McCoy, we have a couple ways that you can look at this, Adam. We got the touchdown to Jordan Reed. We've got the slot work similar to Alex Smith, but he came into the game and targeted Josh Doxson the most. And we know sometimes a, co- a quarterback coming in mid-game, you can almost throw that information out. But which way are you going with this? Do you, are you just downgrading everybody? You want nothing to do with this offense? Or do you think there's a small glimmer of hope somewhere? Probably the only one that I would feel somewhat good about is Jordan Reed. It's amazing. The guy is healthy going into week 12. He hasn't missed the game. And he still hasn't put up the numbers we expected. That was his first touchdown since week one. So he did get the touchdown pass from McCoy. And if you're looking specifically at the matchup this week, Dallas can be beaten by tight end. So I would feel most optimistic about Jordan Reed. Look, Josh Doxson, I I was a believer last year. I backed off a little bit this year. I did pick him up off the waiver wire in one league because it's deep 20 roster spots, but I haven't started him. I haven't thought about starting him. He's so dependent on a touchdown. And we saw Trey Quinn come in and play the slot, moving Maurice Harris to the outside, and he's not equipped for that. So I don't think you can really feel good about any of these guys. Jamison Crowder, I'm surprised. I guess this is way worse than they thought because they didn't put him on injured reserve. I don't think he's played since week five. It, right. it, he's not going to play this week, I don't think either. So yeah, I don't know what they're waiting for at this point. Right? I mean, <laughs> what's happened with that? You know, so they're just they're terrible all around. They just a lot of problems. The offensive line, you know, Adrian Peterson. I don't have him. He surprised me. I got to say I was wrong on him because by the end of the year, he'll finish way higher than I had him ranked. So I give him a lot of credit. But the problem is, and you've seen the splits, when they're winning, he does very well. When they are losing, and I got to see a lot of losing weeks ahead, he really doesn't do much. He's not involved in the passing game. So this is an offense where it's really difficult to have any confidence in anyone. Well, so. you know, you know, a friend in front of the, we go back with Pat Mayo and he has Mark Ingram in worst place. And I told I told him like, how do you not have Adrian Peterson there? Because every time Adrian Peterson's supposed to do well, he disappoints. And then we finally said, like, all right, we, he's not going to do it this week. And that's when he goes up. Like we honestly should be expecting Adrian Peterson to run for like a buck 20 and a touchdown tomorrow. Oh yeah. You're right. Because <laughs> I've had Adrian Peterson in my sit column a couple times this year. And I think, all those weeks he goes off and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. I'm like you're right. stop writing about like, I actually said that about halfway through. I was like, I'm going to stop writing about like you start them if you want. I'm not able to predict them. I know that. Yeah. It's crazy because you, you're trying to predict the game script with Peterson. And there's been a couple of weeks where we were just off on the game script and he's had 20, 25 touches. It's amazing that I think he had back to back weeks of like 25 plus. So they're not afraid to run them, but you know, the offensive line just has so many issues right now. So that, that team's a mess. It's amazing. That team is six and four. I, even before last week, I'm like, this is a six and three team. This is terrible. <laughs> it's this whole division is terrible. All right, let's talk about the other game after that, the night game, the fun one of the day. Hey, you know, real quick, are you a, are you a fan now that we have three games on Thanksgiving? Were you a proponent for that? Yeah, I like it. I mean, you know, usually that's what I'm doing on Thanksgiving anyway. Obviously, being a Cowboys fan, I'm used to them playing that 4.30 p.m. Eastern game, so I always make sure that I'm available to watch that game. And I just like having as many games isolated as possible. Uh, It just makes it fun. So three games. It makes our jobs easier. (laughs) Yeah, it does, you know. So I like that. Uh, So, yeah, it's good. I I don't mind it at all. Have you ever tried to watch the DirecTV 8-channel mix? I have not. You know, but I guess it's similar to to being in a sports bar that has like all the a lot of TVs and all the games TVs all on. over the place. And then yeah, your head is like you get whiplash just from you're hearing crowds. People go oh, and you look over there. Then you hear oh over there, and you look over there, and it's it's crazy. 
It's kind of, it, it is a little bit similar. You can choose one audio from the eight. So that helps a little bit. I will say this. What, one thing, for, I think you'll agree. DirecTV needs to do this. They also have a four channel mix, which also wastes a lot of television real estate, by the way, if anybody's ever seen these channels. They have like this background graphic. They're just wasted space. But anyway, the four channel one, I've said this for years, should be four games you get to pick. Like last week, for some reason, I forget. It was it was a good offensive game. I want to say it was the Falcons game or something else. Wasn't one of the four games in the mix. It was the Redskins game. Like, no, I want to watch. Let, let me pick the four games. I would pay extra $5 a month, $10 a month to get a four channel. I get to pick the games. With all the technology that's out there now, that should be a possibility. I don't, I'm surprised that it isn't already. And I have to think down the road that's going to be an option. It has to be. I should have mentioned the extra money. Somebody's probably listening. That's exactly what they're going to do. But <laughs> well, don't worry. People always charge extra money. They don't need to listen to you to decide. I saw, to that's true. Money. I saw a commercial last night at DirecTV. It's the uh, outdoor channel. Buy it. Sell, all you get is one channel, the outdoor channel. You can add it to DirecTV for $4.99 a month. Who loves the outdoors that much that you're spending an extra $60 a year for one channel? Not me, but they must have done some marketing research that determined that there is an audience out there that would do it. Otherwise, I guess they're throwing darts in a meeting. Uh, I, I don't understand it. But all right, let's talk about the game as a whole. Now, we know Traquan Smith is questionable, but let's say he's fine in this game. I've said this before, and I want to get your opinion. I have a feeling you agree, but maybe not. I've said Traquan Smith is Dante Stallworth. He's Kenny Stills. He's Ted. He's every receiver just like that from the Saints before. That's exactly what you should expect. Either you roll him out there all of the time, and you take the good with the bad, or you just don't use him and try to just trade him away. Because if you try to pick and choose, you're probably going to miss half the good games and hit with half the bad games. Yeah, I think he's more talented than those guys, but I know your premise is, okay, it's the Saints offense where he's not one of the primary options. It's obviously a lot of Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Michael Thomas. Look, Breeze is just hitting the open guy right now, and they were just toying with the Eagles last week, throwing it. How great was that? They went for it on fourth and seven and scored a touchdown. Yeah, and they were just throwing it to everybody saying, hey, we'll beat you with scrubs. Uh, well, anyone on the roster, we'll just throw them to we'll beat you. And we know the Eagles secondary was really banged up. You know, Traquan Smith, I had him in the lineup in a 12-team league with uh, 11 starting spots two weeks ago when he had the zero. And I went right back to him last week, and I put him in my deep sleeper column because I said people, and, and, and for DFS too, people won't go back to him. When you see a zero for a team that puts up 51 points, you just – your human nature says, I can't play him. But you have to forget that and isolate it. We're talking about a Saints offense that is putting up points at a ridiculous pace. You expect 40 every week, especially when they're at home. And last week against Philadelphia in that secondary, he was in a good spot. Did I see 13 targets? No, no one did. But I felt he had a good chance at a touchdown. So that's what you're looking at. When you have a range of wide receivers, like you're in the wide receiver three, wide receiver four range, you're looking at, okay, who can score a touchdown? And Smith has to be in that mix most weeks because he's tied to one of the best offenses in the NFL, especially when they're at home. So they're at home this week. They got Atlanta. We know how bad they are. They don't put pressure on the quarterback. So I would use Traquan Smith this week. Just know, be prepared that you might get two for 18. The floor is very low, but as we saw last week, the ceiling is immense. Oh, it, it is. So is there anybody in this game you're not starting? Like, I mean, honestly, like, this is one of the situations where if you own both Saints running backs, you start them. I mean, if you own multiple pieces on the Falcons, like you just start everybody in this game, don't you? Yeah, the, the players I would be concerned about a little bit are the Atlanta running backs. You know, I was not high on Tevin Coleman going into the year. I saw people take him in the fifth, sixth round. I'm like, what is wrong with people? I'm like, you guys are banking on a, a Freeman injury. And then it happened, and I'm like, damn it, man. These people are going to be rewarded. They really <laughs> haven't. Coleman, to me, has been a major disappointment this year. People were expecting way more. They thought, up oh, Freeman down, Coleman's an RB1. And he hasn't been, and I know he's a free agent. Now, he had a game two weeks ago where they finally were throwing him the ball in the passing because that's the thing that's the problem with this Atlanta offense. When Shanahan was there, they were throwing to the running backs a lot. We right. have not seen it under Sarkeesian. It's really hurt. And I know Edo Smith – has cut into Tevin Coleman a little bit, but he's in the 8 to 10 range of touches. Coleman just hasn't produced. The Saints have been really good against the run. 
So you're banking on Coleman catching four or five passes in this game, which is possible if they play from behind, but I don't love them. But when you, when you, you're probably going to be like, all right, well, what about this running back or this running back? And you're looking at Coleman in a spot where I believe the over under is like 60. And I know these teams played uh, 80 points, I think in week three, but I think the state's defense is a lot different than what we saw earlier in the season. So I'd be worried about the Atlanta running backs in this spot. The, the Saints implied point total is almost 40. That's just insane to think about. It is. All right. Let me ask you this. A.J. Green, because of his talent, even potentially – obviously, we don't know. Like this is looking forward, and a lot of people are going to be listening to this over Thanksgiving and ahead. But assuming he gets in at least a Friday practice, maybe limited on Thursday – is he so talented that you just throw A.J. Green out there? Or obviously it depends on your roster. You know, if your third option is Kenny Galladay and you can go Kenny Galladay tomorrow or whatever, you listen to this on Thanksgiving or wait for A.J. Green, you go Kenny Galladay. If you have a receiver like him, you start that guy. But if you don't, because most people don't, A.J. Green back in your lineup just because he's too good? Yeah, I think I'm getting him in there. And I always feel like, Players coming off injuries is one of the most difficult things that we have to do because a lot of times... Is the decoy or is he really playing things? Right. We're in the dark. Now, look, the Bengals are 5-5, five and five and they're in playoff contention, whether we think they Which have... No is great. That's another team that's just crazy to think about. Yeah, with the defensive issues that they've had. So it's a logjam there in the AFC. Miami's 5-5 five and five too, right? I think like that, That's Miami. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Look at these teams, the Ravens, the Dolphins. It's like, really? I mean, the Colts are clearly the best team of that group. And I think that's the team that we all want to see in because we want to see Andrew Luck. But I have A.J. Green in two leagues. One of them, I'm nine and two. I'm going to play him anyway because I lost Cooper Cup in that league. The other one, I'm fighting for a playoff spot, uh, even though I am the two C right now, but I could fall to the eight or nine. With It's a doubleheader league, my home league. So this week, I could actually fall out. I need him badly. It's a 14-team league. I got to get him in there. So those are two examples where I have him, where I'm playing him. If he's active, I do expect him to suit up. And I would play him. You know, I think it sounded like he was kind of close last week, which was a surprise. And then I know Sunday night, Josina Anderson of ESPN said he was probably going to be back this week. And then on Wednesday, Marvin Lewis said he wasn't going to practice Wednesday, but he practiced later in the week and they think he's going to play. So if I have A.J. Green in almost every instance, unless you're one of these eight, ten-team cream puff leagues where you have like 75 receivers to play, and you ask us every week who to start, and we tell you everybody's a good start, and then you're going to get that wrong. But in most instances, yeah, I'm playing A.J. Green. All right, well then, let me go. You mentioned somebody in that conversation. Actually, the team is the Colts. I want to go to that real quick. And here, I'm going to phrase this. I'm not even going to give you my opinion. I'm just going to set this up a very loaded question for you, Adam. At what point will people finally 100% trust Andrew Luck again? Jake, I am so sick of this. I said this earlier (laughs) this week. Why am I still getting questions on Andrew Luck? One of the questions last week, Jake, was, do I start Andrew Luck, Dak Prescott, or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like, are you kidding me? Why are we even having a discussion? Going into last week, he had at least three touchdowns in six consecutive games. He did it again last week. I don't care who he's playing. I don't care if it's Jacksonville. I think it's, what, five straight games he hasn't been sacked now. They're one of the what, uh, best run-blocking units. I know they lost their, their center's got an MCL sprain. But still, like, I don't understand why this <laughs> question every single week. I, I'm with you. I, it's, I'm laughing, and that's why I set it up that way, because people continue. Like, for weeks on end, I just, like, I, go back to when he was Andrew Luck. He was unbenchable. He was matchup-proof. Our only question was if he was healthy. And for some reason, despite doing exactly what you said for weeks on end, despite looking 100%, despite everything, you said, people are still like, oh, like, this week. Andrew Luck or Jameis Winston, because you know the Bucs are going to keep passing. Like, and Andrew Luck's going to keep throwing for three touchdowns. Right. And the thing with Winston, as good as a matchup he has, and I am using him in a league and I'm scared, but let's not forget, we said it earlier in the show, Winston could be benched at any point. He could throw two interceptions. He could fumble near the goal line like he did last week, and they could pull him because – you know, the injury factor, which is why I'm not sure why he's starting. I thought once they went to – Exactly. Back, okay. Uh, because uh, if he gets hurt, then his contract kicks in. So that's another story. But 
Yeah, like here's the thing with Luck too. I'm so mad. I think I had him ranked before the year like six, and for some reason, right before the year, I moved him down a few spots. Do you remember where you had him ranked going into the year? I actually think it was sixth or seventh. And it's so funny you say that because I did the opposite with Le'Veon Bell. I had Le'Veon Bell at like 17, and then I was like, Nah, he's not gonna pull this, and I moved him all the way back up to like six. Yeah, the belting was so hard. I think I probably left him near the top, even though I had a draft the day after Labor Day and I had the number two pick and I said, nah, I can't do it. I'm still stunned, though, that he's sitting out the whole year. Like, I did not think this was going to happen. Well, I think we would have we would have assumed it a little bit more if that news about that he could sit out the entire year and still get his free agency had been released at the beginning. Of the, like, where was this hiding this entire year that everybody was saying, oh, he's going to have to sign by week 11 to get his year of eligibility. And then all of a sudden we get to week 10, and it's like, no, he's still going to get his year of free agency. Yeah, plus, yeah, that was a factor. And also him saying, yeah, I'll be there. You know, he said that publicly, and you got to figure he told his teammates that. Now, again, his obligation is himself. But for him right. to come out and say all that publicly, if you had the intention or it was in the back of your mind to sit out the entire year, why would you even say anything? I, it's, I, I don't under, it's, it's one of the more baffling, this is going to go down and we're going to be talking about this 10 years from now. Remember the Le'Veon Bell season? This is going to be one of the history making seasons for that situation. And, you know, talking about the injury, this is another one that's the concerning one is Mariota. If he's injured, his contract locks in too, but he is already hurt again. He's got that nerve issue popping up again. And they said, it's not the same, but it's di- I would actually almost prefer if it was the same. That's really concerning. But this is just more for the Titans offense because we've seen it already. When he comes out, this offense goes to crap. I mean, even when he's out there and not healthy, it goes to crap. So I think that Deion Lewis, because of the running back situation, is tough to bench. But is Corey Davis is pretty much benchable if Blaine Gabbert's under center. is not like I don't see another piece outside of Deion Lewis, and I don't even feel great about Deion Lewis if Blaine Gabbert's under center. Yeah, and they got the Texans on a Monday night. Yeah, this is terrible. Just when you thought the Titans offense was coming around, they beat New England, they beat Dallas, Mariota coming off the bye, looked good. I was like, here we go. I got Corey Davis. I can't wait. And someone was giving me crap on Twitter last week because in Scout Fantasy Sports, we had Corey Davis as our breakout player of the year. And I was like, he's like, oh, you guys are way off. I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) He's had a – has he lived up? Too lofty expectations, no. But he had a lot of weeks of double-digit fantasy points in PPR formats. And I went over one of the rounds. Like, he was drafted in the fourth, fifth round, and I looked at some of the other players in that round that are guys you don't even consider starting now. And I'm not trying to make an excuse, but, Jake, I I don't know if you loved Corey Davis or not, but isn't Marcus Mariota not being healthy a big factor (laughs) in in, in Davis' downfall? It's a huge factor. I mean, the, the biggest factor before this was that Davis wasn't healthy enough to get the rapport built with Mariota. So, yeah, this is like, like, like this is what happens every single year. You, I tweeted this out, Adam. You, you will appreciate it. It's the same thing as somebody said, you know, you should just stop helping certain people because everybody just loves to complain. I said, no, this is what it is. The fantasy industry, you don't get into it. You don't do this unless you can deal with it. And this is why I have fun trolling trolls and coming back at people. But it's basically you get – Ranks, ranks, ranks. Give me what I want. Tell me who to start. Tell me what to do in this trade. Tell me whatever. You get most of it right. Nobody says anything. The ones you got wrong, people come after you, come after you, come after you. Rinse and repeat. We do it every single year. Yeah, and look, we, we are all wrong. Whoever is in this industry and doesn't admit that they're wrong, they're full of it. I mean, the best people, what, 60%? So at the end of the day, I guess it is the results and we will be wrong on Corey Davis, but a big problem for Corey Davis, his quarterback has not been healthy. Yeah. You saw what he can do. And Corey Davis is a guy that's getting what 30% of the target share. Don't you want that? So look yes. at the end, it'll, it'll wind up being wrong. Cause I had said right after he had that big game, I said, okay. Cause he's like, you should apologize to your subscribers. I go, okay. <laughs> I said, will you apologize if he's a top 25 wide receiver at the end of the season? Obviously, that's probably not going to happen now, but if he's healthy, there was a chance. I mean, look at the, the game he just had two weeks ago, but it's difficult to use anyone in this offense uh, if Blaine Gabbert's going to be the quarterback. And I think they said Mariota had a stinger, but he was shaking his right hand, man. I, I think it's probably the same issue. 
Yeah, it's it's not looking good either way. All right, last one, I'll get you out of here on this. And speaking of not looking good and not wanting much to do with the offense, let's talk about the Raiders. Uh, surprisingly, though, Jalen Richard, PPR, I mean, you, not surprisingly for knowing his talent, but surprisingly, there's a piece that you can be happy with because in PPR, but non-PPR is just like, it's that guttural feeling of like, blah, Doug Martin, whatever, I guess so. Are you a Marcel Aitman, like kind of the poor man's Des Bryant clone from Oklahoma State? Like, is there anything you legitimately look at your roster and say, this Raider should be on my team? I don't think you can. Maybe Jared Cook, because tight end is so terrible. No, but. no, no. You know this. <laughs> Jared, if you can tell me which five weeks he's going to play extremely well, I will sign up every single time. But nobody can do that. That is true. I have Jared Cook only in one league with him and Jordan Reed. So I think I'm pretty much going to ride with Jordan Reed the rest of the way. But I don't see how you can feel confident in this Raiders offense. Let's remember, they went against Arizona last week, okay? They're a brutal team, too. When the Raiders play a competent team, I just don't see them putting up many points at all. I'll say Doug Martin has looked good. I didn't put any bids on him in free agency. I didn't want him because I knew they would be playing from behind. He wouldn't be involved much in the passing game. Jalen Richard obviously got more carries in the second half last week, and they'll be playing from behind, so he'll be on the field a lot. But I don't feel confident in anyone else because this offense, I don't see putting up many points. Jordy Nelson might return. I don't care. I want to know part of Jordy this year. <laughs> he had that one big game. I was like, oops, maybe he's back, and uh, I buried him. I didn't draft him anywhere. Eight minutes in. I looked at him in, like, you know, the leagues with 20 roster spots, and I couldn't get myself – to put a bid on him. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to invest in anything in the Raiders offense. I, I just think there's going to be many weeks where they don't do anything. Like I see several weeks where they could be held under 10 points the rest of the way. Yeah. I'm actually in two 14 teamers where I own Doug Martin. Every single time I see his name, I'm just like, Bleh. I don't really yeah. like- <laughs> look. He's a start. He's a starting running back, right? That's why you pick him up. 14 team league. Trust me in my 14 team league, someone paid 500 bucks for him. Oh, I can tell you one thing. I'm done playing in 14 team leagues with the amount of injuries at this point. It's like the last man survive. It's, it's what I, you know, this, it, I hate mono leagues in baseball because I feel like it's a war of attrition. Whoever's the healthiest for the season is rewarded. Not, you could still win. I'm not saying that's the only thing that matter. I just said it, it, it values it too much for me on being lucky with health. That is a factor. There's no doubt about it. And I don't know if this is the case in your league. So I was looking at my league and we have two weeks left in the regular season. Like most leagues, there's about nine or 10 teams that can make it. And I give six playoff spots on a 14 team league. Yeah. I truly believe it is wide open. Like I do not see a dominant team. Even the guy in first, he's just gotten fortunate with the schedule. He actually doesn't even have the most points. Uh, my team's right in the mix. I need AJ Greenback. Uh, but I looked at it and I'm like, this is wide open. Like, I don't really see a team that is the clear cut best team. And I think in some leagues, especially in the 12 team format, you could say that. Do you find that to be the case in your 14 team league too? Yeah. It's, I mean, you go all the way down to basically 10th place and everybody's in the mix. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's good if you want <laughs> yeah. everyone to, to stay alive <laughs> and, and compete for something, but uh, it does make it, it makes it fun. And interesting, but if yeah, if you get caught by the injury bug, it's just like really hard to recover because the waiver wire today was really thin. I mean, the only really guy worth adding was uh, Gus Edwards. Yeah, and actually, you know what? I, I was going to say that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because you didn't even know that. I was going to say I lied to you. I was going to get one more question before we got out of here. It was the Gus Edwards one. So at this point, I asked James Coe earlier this week. Uh, we both agreed. I said it's week 12. Could he turn into a one-week wonder and you'd never hear from him again? Absolutely. But week 12, if you have any budget left, if you have the number one waiver priority, I'm taking the chance because if he's a top 20 running back, you just made out in week 12. Definitely. Empty the clip, man. Get rid of that money. Look, in the high-stakes leagues, the last week of the uh, waiver wire is week 13. So obviously in that format, no need to hold. But even in your home league, you know, you don't even know at this point if you're going to get to week 15, week 16. So you need to make sure you get in the playoffs and it's possible that we all look back and say, wow, they went right back to Alex Collins this week. But I don't see that happening. They clearly have not been enamored with Alex Collins for a while now. He has not had a big game this year. He's not involved in the passing game much. And they went to Edwards last week when Lamar Jackson was at quarterback. So we know that's beneficial for a running back. Like, what, what would be the reasoning 
to alter that this week. And they go against the Raiders. So you know if Edwards is in there early in the game, he's going to rip up a couple big runs. And Harbaugh was praising him, saying that's the north-south runner that we needed that we didn't have earlier in the year. So, like, logically, if we try to think this through, why would they change things? You know uh, why? Week? Because how many teams do we have to see do things illogically? That is true. <laughs> I, that's right. We're talking about NFL coaches. Forget that question. Scratch it from the record. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about these guys who, before McCoy got fired, was running David Johnson up the gut, up the gut, up the gut, up the gut. (laughs) I mean, so uh, we could say that. And, you know, I mean, look at Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll makes no sense week to Like, I don't think he makes sense week, like, quarter to quarter with his use. That's true. I mean, look. To go with Aaron Jones. Yeah. Oh, that that was, like, one of the worst ones. It's like everyone, especially in the fantasy industry, has been screaming this. Week after week since he came back from that two-game suspension, we're just sitting there, and I would get Aaron Jones questions every week. I'm like, look, he's the most talented back, but he's getting 10 touches a game. You're banking on a touchdown. You can't start him yet. Obviously now, lock and load, finally, but look how long it's taken, and it could cost him a postseason spot. Yeah, 100%. All right, Adam, again, one of the best. Tell everybody one more time where to find everything you do and where's the best place to follow your work. Definitely. ScoutFantasySports.com. Writing a lot of NFL now. I'll do a little NBA and MLB as well. We got you covered with ScoutDFS.com as well. Uh, You can try the NBA DFS seven-day free trial. Uh, Get access to the optimizer. NBA DFS is my favorite DFS sport, which might be against the grain because NFL is so popular. And you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis as well. All right. Like I said, one of the hardest working in the business as well. I always appreciate it, Adam. Thanks a lot. Same to you, Jake. You always work hard and uh, glad to see that you're with The Athletic and my boy, Nando <laughs> DeFino. <laughs> always. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Jake. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays to everyone. And now we are going to talk some Lions Thanksgiving football. I know you guys are super excited about that, aren't you? But hey, look, it's a lot to talk about this week. Surprisingly, a big situation on both sides of the ball when we have this Thanksgiving game for fantasy purposes, but we're going to get some of the best insight you can find because I have none other than Chris Burke, one of my coworkers here over at The Athletic. But before I do all that, I'll let you tell everybody, Chris, where to follow you on Twitter at Chris Burke NFL, but you can do the same thing, where to follow you, all your work, what your kind of schedule is. I know you do a chat as well. So basically pimp yourself for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, Chris Burke NFL on Twitter. Uh, you can, Lions fans at least listen to the Backward Down the Field podcast, which we do every week. Uh, myself and Ty Schalter, who uh, some of you have probably read his work around either at The Athletic. He's done some stuff from Bleacher Report 538. So uh, really good guy. Um, yeah, weekly chat for our subscribers on Tuesday, a little Q&A. Uh, and then just the the regular Lions coverage on The Athletic Detroit site for uh, at least a few more weeks. We'll probably heard we're sort of trending towards getting into uh, free agency and draft a little earlier than the Lions probably would like <laughs> yet again. But uh, we'll keep covering the games for uh, at least through through the end of the month here. <laughs> you sound so happy about that. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. We're trying. We've had this discussion uh, a couple times already. Like, what's the what's the point where you know what's the record where you shift your focus into like the off season rebuild going to look, you know, <laughs> like if they get to four and seven or four and eight, like where's the cutoff line. So that's sort of where we're at with the, uh, the lions coverage at the moment. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always a, a tough line. <laughs> like, All right, it's today, today. All right. Well, I mean, maybe yeah, we'll put it this way. I have a feeling if they somehow lose this game with Chase yeah. Daniel quarterback, that you're going to have the full clear head to go for off season rebuild. Let's talk draft, but let's talk lions first. And obviously the biggest one, not just for the team, but for fantasy purposes as well as the carry on Johnson situation, uh, looked extremely in pain. Um, there's a little uncertainty within life, maybe some extra insight of how long he should be out. But for one, how long do you think he misses? And then two, with him out, I mean, is there really anything we can get out of this backfield? Or is Riddick going to see more, actually even see a few carries? Is it going to be LeGarrette Blunt? Do we believe the team talking up Zach Zenner? Like, how do you think this shakes out? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, just first on carry on, I mean, I think they haven't really given a ton of information. Um, the reports about his health have come from, you know, outside the organization, more or less. He's obviously out this week. Uh, I think... Best case scenario, they'd like to get him back when they go to uh, 
to Arizona in week 14. So that's, you know, missing this game and missing the Rams game that they have at home next week. I think that's, that's probably what they're targeting realistically. Um, again, you know, at that point, if you're, you know, whatever, four and eight and the season's not going anywhere, I think you start to consider maybe shutting them down at some point. But I think that that's what they're, they're targeting probably right now is, uh, this game and next week and then hopefully get him back and obviously we'll see how he kind of rehabs from there but uh the backfield I don't know I mean Theo Theo Riddick's hasn't been great in the past when he's gotten chances to run the ball they haven't really even tried it that much this year I think his role is pretty defined at this point as a pass catching back and his statistical line's been pretty well defined the last month and a half more or less I mean he gets a the same kind of ballpark figure for targets and catches and yards per catch and all that and doesn't really score a touchdown. So I think he scored, uh, he had a receiving, maybe two receiving touchdowns, at least one in week 16 last year against the Packers. He hasn't scored a rushing touchdown since week 10 last year. So, Ugh. you know, you're, you're rolling the dice if you're looking for anything more than receptions out of him. Um, LeGarrette Blunt uh, is averaging, uh, you know, point seven five yards per carry the last four games he's played so well when you run 80 percent of your runs straight up the middle <laughs> yeah i mean some of that's uh by design i guess but you're also i mean there there are at least you know two plays last week where uh if carry on had been the back on that particular handoff he's getting at least six or seven probably and blunt got one so <laughs> you know he's uh he's a guy that if you're looking to just sort of pluck someone randomly maybe he's your kind of touchdown vulture because carry on johnson had been getting some of those looks blunt had two on the goal line in chicago and didn't score and then carry on came in and scored but obviously you know carry on's not there anymore so uh blunt got a chance i guess to punch one or two of those in uh, you mentioned zenner he's the wild card i think i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as their leading rusher uh on sunday we haven't really seen him do anything offensively this year wasn't even on the team for a while there because he got hurt in the preseason. But, um, you know, he's a guy that you can at least trust to get the ball and just run as hard as he can downhill until someone tackles him, uh, which is better than what Blunt's been doing lately. So, yeah, I don't know. I would steer clear personally, but uh, <laughs> those are your choices. All right. Well, then how about this on the passing side of things? Matthew Stafford, for especially for fantasy consideration, had been really good the past couple seasons. And obviously, I know that you have to take away Golden Tate, and that's going to hurt any quarterback. But at the same time, he seemed off even before that, this entire season. Is it the offensive line? Is it something else? Like, What's been, I guess, the bugaboo, really, with Matthew Stafford this season? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the offensive line certainly has been way too inconsistent for them to ever get really comfortable uh, on a game-to-game basis with their their play calling. We saw what happened when they went to Minnesota and Chicago, and he just got clobbered. And you know, they actually had a a decent game plan last week against Carolina, considering you know Marvin Jones was out. Like you mentioned, they they traded away Tate. Uh, Carryon got hurt midway through that game, so I, I thought they had a decent game plan to just kind of get the ball, get it out take the pass rush out of it as much as possible. And, and, you know, Stafford ended up had most of that game set at, you know, four or five yards per attempt, which is extremely low, but at least he wasn't getting hit every time. Um, I, I mean, I think it's a combination of offensive line. Um, maybe he just hasn't played that well in some of the games. Certainly the, you know, the Jets game in the opener was a train wreck for him. Um, and then the, you know, the thing people keep coming back to around here is just the, the play calling in the scheme. I think uh, Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive coordinator, is certainly on the hot seat um, because you're taking a guy with who's really good when he can kind of roll out and throw on the run and and has a huge arm, and you've kind of reduced him to uh, you know what the Raiders are doing with Derek Carr this year. <laughs> you know he's just right. sort of dink and dunk all over the place. And do you think that was some Patricia? Into, like, what was the? Why did Cooter change as much as he did from last year to this year? Is it the Patricia influence? Do you think? I, I think some of it, maybe most of it, is that they know that the defense is pretty flawed. And so the way that they can extend drives is to go four and five air chunks and not really run tempo and, and just try to eat the clock. And you see most of their games, they've won the time of possession battle. And, you know, some of that's been like in Minnesota, they had uh, something like 35, 40 minutes time of possession, but never went anywhere. You know, it was just basically right. just chewing clock and punting it away. So 
I think a lot of it is that they just don't trust their defense to be on the field that much. But, um, yeah, I mean, the play calling all year has not made a ton of sense, especially since they do have, or at least up to this point, have had a really good running back. You know, they haven't taken advantage of that to run play action much. They haven't stretched the field the way you'd think they would with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. So uh, I think a lot of that heat that's fallen on Jim Bob Cooter has been deserved. I will say I think the thing, if there's been a bright spot the last two weeks, it's that Stafford has taken a, a few more of those shots with Kenny Galladay. And I think we all know at this point what Kenny Galladay can do when he gets those, those one-on-one jump ball opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, is I have a, a friend who's a longtime friend. He's a Lions fan. He's originally from that area in Michigan. <laughs> we were watching the game last week, and I turned to him and I was like, are they trying to give the running backs, like, <laughs> the, the, the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage every, like, is they, they're trying to make it a lot just to get to the line of scrimmage and then some? Yeah, it's really been unusual. I mean, I think that first drive last week was about as as well as things have come together for the run game in terms of the play calling and the execution, you know, they really just use Kieran Johnson in a lot of different ways to, uh, out of the backfield to get the ball down the field. And then the next two possessions, he had one touch. So it's, that's been part of the thing too. I think they're still trying to force LeGarrette Blunt in there for whatever reason, you know, they're still trying to, I guess, beat teams more with uh, just mix and matching personnel and, and alignments as opposed to just sort of putting their best 11 out there and, and saying, well, let's go, you know, let's go see what we can do with this group. They're trying to almost at times feels like they're outsmarting themselves. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk. Let's go back to Kenny Galladay. Despite the struggles, despite this team, you know, kind of starting to look to next year, potentially even after tomorrow's game or today's game, whatever you're listening to this podcast, can Galladay still be a league winner in fantasy? Because I actually, you know what? I'll tie them together. Originally, I was going to break these two apart and say the Marvin Jones factor. But Marvin Jones, when he comes back, is that going to be an immediate detriment to Galladay, which we saw the first game without Golden Tate, where neither of them really got on track despite we expected them to? Or is it Marvin Jones is going to command a lot of number one attention and he's just going to be a non-factor so Kenny Galladay can continue to roll? I know I kind of threw a lot of questions with those groups of two together, but I think you understand everything in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, the thing that's that's kind of tough to figure for that receiving core, and it's going to be a big challenge for them going into the offseason too, is whether they have a number one and a number two receiver or whether they have two pretty good number two receivers. And I think that that's how defenses have kind of approached them too. Uh, you know, there's been some games where teams have floated extra help towards Marvin Jones and some games where teams have floated extra help towards Kenny Galladay. And uh, it kind of just depends on both who they're playing and, and how the game starts. You know, if one of those guys has a big first quarter, we've seen teams adjust and try to take him away. So um, I, I do think Marvin Jones, you know, again, I, that's one where next week even um, is probably – it might be a little bit of a stretch. I think that they'd be hopeful he's back in time for that Rams game, maybe again targeting that Arizona game the following week. He's already listed as out for uh, Thanksgiving. So um, it's certainly Galladay until, uh, until Marvin Jones comes back because the only other guy that seems even remotely reliable at the moment is – is Bruce Ellington and he just <laughs> got here and he you know hasn't been able to stay healthy through his whole career so it's Galladay right now and I do think Galladay has has uh maybe even surpassed Marvin Jones as kind of the guy that Stafford looks for when those plays break down and that's tended to be when they've got their their biggest hits over uh for the most part over Stafford's career really <laughs> you know it was Calvin Johnson and yeah. then it was Marvin and and I think Galladay's his guy now um the the one thing where it hasn't necessarily flipped yet is that Marvin still seems to be the guy he looks for in the red zone. Um, and so that would be uh, – if there's one spot where Galladay probably still has to do some work to catch up, it's there. They have the same number of touchdown passes, but um, most of Galladay's have been sort of the, the longer variety. When they get down there close to the goal line, it's still Marvin Jones that tends to be the number one option. Real quick, uh, you know J.J. Zacharyson on Twitter? Sure, yeah. Okay, thumbs up, thumbs down on the Baby Tron name. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of like it. I don't know that Kenny Galladay likes it, but I, I, I'll give it a thumbs up. I think it's uh, it's uh, it's a lot of pressure on the dude, though. Yeah, have you? That's you should ask him. You should ask him next time you talk to him. What do you think about being called Baby Tron? <laughs> yeah, I will definitely do that. That's not too much pressure, right? <laughs> 
Hey, I mean, he's uh, what's he going up towards uh, looking at like a 1,200 yard season this year or 1,100 yard season? So he's off to a pretty good. Yeah, uh, he's, he's only year two. He's got a chance. All right. So on the defensive side of the ball, the one thing that is right for the Lions has been Darius Slay, who for now the past couple of years has been one of the, I'd say, best corners that's the least talked about and continuing to be so. Uh, we saw what happens to this defense. Like, as bad as it's been, we see how much worse it can be when he was out. He's back. He played last week. He gets Allen Robinson this week. And I say, can he shut him down again? Because it was a couple of years ago where he faced him because it was Allen Robinson on the Jaguars at the time. But he held him to one catch, and unfortunately, it was for a touchdown. Or it might have been two catches. I think it was two catches for seven yards and a touchdown. So the touchdown was there. But if you look at it for all intents and purposes, he limited him the entire day. Darius Slay obviously has a lot easier going with Chase Daniel out there, but I guess more overall, should people be looking at him as in the Patrick Peterson, I maybe don't want to face, have my wide receiver face him this week. Yeah, I mean, he's been banged up too, and that's really the only, only reason I would hedge that bet even a little bit is just, you know, he's been dealing with a knee injury. He kind of re-aggravated it, I think, on his long uh, run where he chased down um, – uh, DJ Moore in the Panthers game, you know, came up hobbling a little bit after that. And he's on the injury. He's been on the injury report all this week leading up to Thanksgiving. So that's the only reason I would hedge that bet. But yeah, if he's healthy, he's going to be on Allen Robinson. Robinson just destroyed them uh, a couple weeks ago when they went down and lost in Chicago. His teams have not necessarily been afraid to throw his direction uh which is a little strange given what else is out there for the lions but they have taken their chances at at him uh so i i think that you might still see al robinson get some targets but certainly you know if you're looking at matchups darius slavers Allen robinson is a better one for the lions than whoever the number two cornerback is going to be this week against uh anthony miller or, you know slot guy against taylor gabriel i mean there are other spots where chicago will have uh better matchups Okay, and then let's talk. Let's close things out with that. Since the Lions traded for Damon Harrison, they've gotten exactly what they want in the run defense. It's been a remarkable improvement. However, as when you'd have Damon Harrison as the Giants saw, you sacrifice one for the other because the passing defense has taken a hit. And some of that was Darius Slay not being 100%, but still, we know what he is. He doesn't rush the pass very well, but he just stops the run. I mean, that's all he's supposed to do, and he does it well. So, with this week being a Chase Daniel, and obviously this Bears team will probably lean on the defense, try to lean on the run. How much do you expect Jordan Howard to really be able to do with Damon Harrison out there now? And do you think this is maybe, hey, Tariq Cohen's the one that can kind of exploit the defense more? Yeah, I mean, I actually thought that was going to be the case the first time these two teams played. And then, you know, those two guys, Howard and Cohen, rushed for something like 36 yards combined. I think Cohen had... 15 on seven carries uh and he did score which obviously helps for fantasy purposes but the, the Lions did a pretty nice job in general against the run game uh and some of that was just that they couldn't defend the pass so Trubisky was dropping back all the time but um you know they Harry like you said Harrison's been great for them um uh, great for them against the run and and that was sort of the thinking I had too I thought Cohen would be better in that first Bears matchup I thought Christian McCaffrey would give them all sorts of trouble last week they held him to 53 yards so as long as Damon Harrison's been on the field the Lions have been able to shut down running backs uh doesn't matter what type of running back it's been so far they've been able to really slow those attacks so uh I think it'll be that's gonna be a big challenge for the Bears is figuring out how to take some heat off Chase Daniel given what the Lions can do with Damon Harrison in there so uh yeah I mean I think Cohen's probably a better matchup just because of what he can do kind of outside the tackles and as a pass catcher. Um, but based on two weeks ago, you know, I don't know how comfortable you'd feel with either of them necessarily. <laughs> no, it definitely. I mean, it's Chase Daniel, quarterback. I don't know how good you feel about <laughs> the entire team. Hey, hey, watch, instead of this being like 10 to 7, this is going to end up being like 33 to 30. And we're just all going to be sitting there like, yeah, yeah man, that's football for us. Yeah, of course. They're going to let Chase Daniel just air it out and it'll be the exact yeah. same thing as we saw two weeks ago. Yeah. All right, so before I get you out of here, food of choice while you're watching your Lions tomorrow. What's your favorite side? Don't say turkey. Uh, man, I, I, I'm a stuffing guy. Uh, I don't know. I just throw a little gravy on there. Go box the or stuffing. homemade? Like We're talking homemade stuffing, right? Homemade, yeah. yeah it's okay. got to be. I mean, I'll, I will eat the box stuffing if it's an option, but I prefer <laughs> the homemade. I don't know. The box stuffing to me feels like somebody took up like a bunch of mini croutons and just <laughs> soaked, soaked them in some gravy to like loosen them up. I, well... 
I was with <laughs> you until you said soaked them in gravy. And then I, again, I'm fine. If that's where you want to go. <laughs> if that's what it is. Uh, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Chris, once again, remind everybody where to follow you, where to find your work and everything before you get out of here. Yeah, you can get the Lions coverage over the Athletics Detroit site. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Chris Burke NFL. All right. Thanks again. Try to enjoy the game tomorrow and the rest of the season. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Once again, that was Adam Ronas of Scout Fantasy Sports and Chris Burke covering the Lions for the Athletic. You know where to follow them now. Great information. And uh, yeah, I'll be back on Monday for the Patreon show with Joe and Chris. This is out Wednesday night, as you saw. So if you're just getting it on Thursday, good, because that's when it normally comes out. But that's why there is no Thursday. We got this ahead of the game for Thanksgiving. I wish you a terrific Thanksgiving, a great weekend. Have fun shopping. And then we'll be back next Tuesday for the All In Spores free show. As always, have a great one, everybody. 